Good morning. Um, the church smells good. You smell Lysol, it's probably because of me. Uh, Rhonda and uh, Stephanie made sure this whole place was sprayed. Um, uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of First John. First uh, John chapter one and First uh, John chapter one and just go ahead and read it. See if we say that we have no sin, <coughs> we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. <coughs> if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And I'd like to start my, uh, as always, start my message with a a joke or a funny story. And, uh, you know, I've learned this when I was in, in college. You know, PT school. Uh, I had teachers who were, you know, doctors, physicians. And uh, you know how doctors are when they make jokes. They make a joke about the human body. And most of the time it's a dirty joke. They're dirty jokes. And uh, one good thing about them is that in that dirty joke is 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 the lesson for the day. So if you remember the joke, you remember the lesson. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of one, one good way of educating people sometimes because people will remember the dirty jokes. <clears throat> you know, it's been 29 years since I've been out of school. And believe it or not, I still remember those dirty jokes. You know, I've already forgot the message that went with it, but uh, I still remember those dirty jokes. But I'm not going to, of course, share them to you today. Uh, unless you get me drunk, I guess. Uh, I can share those jokes to you. Um, but um, I've learned that in my messages. And now that I, I have lessons to teach some ta- now, I, um, I like to make analogies uh, on, my, on my lessons. So if you remember the story, the funny joke that I shared to you, then hopefully you remember the lesson that comes with it. Okay, so this is the funny story for my, for my message. I want you to listen to it because it relates to the message. Um, one night, a drunk husband came home, and uh, he went to the bathroom mirror and put, got a pack of Band-Aids and started Band-Aiding his cuts and the bruises he got from the fight. Uh, in the bar that, that night. And then, when he, he got finished, he snuck into the bed where his wife was already sleeping, thinking that he got away with it, being drunk that night. Well, that next morning, he woke up. As he opened his eyes, his, there stood his wife in front of him. And his wife said, You were drunk again last night, weren't you? And the, and the husband said, no, honey, I wasn't. 
And the wife said, well, if you were not drunk last night, who put the band-aids in the bathroom mirror? You know, so I don't know if you got a joke or not, but I'm not going to repeat it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk today about sinless. Sinless, one word, or a uh, sinless or sinless. Sinless, one word, and sinless, two words. Right. Sinless or sinless. <clears throat> then what is sin? You know, sin has a very strange meaning. Um, it is derived from the word, the Greek word, hermatanio. It is an archery term, those of you who mess with bows and arrows. And sin means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. You know, an archer hits at the target, and if he misses the target, that's basically sin. He misses the mark. He loses the competition, he loses the contest, and he's disqualified. He pays the price. You know, sin is like that. <clears throat> it's like, uh, it's an archery term. We, we, we aim to, to serve the Lord. We aim, at, we aim at a target to serve the Lord. But when if we miss the target, we don't serve the Lord. And that's sin. You know, sin refers to, to that. That's, that's the definition of sin, to miss the mark. It's in your Bible. It's in, you know, it's in the concordance of your Bible. That's how it's defined. See, um, why do we sin? You know, why do Christians sin, I should say? Well, let's see what Christian is all about. A Christian is uh, someone who is saved. A Christian is someone who establishes a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is no longer bound for hell. He is no longer condemned. He is now a new creature. He is now conformed in the image of God. He, should not, he is now acting Christ-like. But nowhere in the Bible that he says he's, he no longer sins. You know, because a Christian will sin. I mean, you cannot say I have not sinned since the day I got born again. For the Bible says in first, uh, like we said we, in, in our text, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We are all sinners. Even after we're saved, we're still sinning. There's nothing new about that. We all have a feet of clay. And from time to time, we fall in spite of our best efforts to serve God. It's all in self-righteous, the hypocrite who stupidly thinks he is without sin and has the right even to judge others. Uh, the Bible says that he among us, among you who have no sin, let him cast the first stone. You know, and uh, <clears throat> let him cast the first stone. You now there's a movie that we are all familiar with. And that movie is, the, is James Bond, the James Bond movies. And James Bond is an agent on 007. And he has a trait that most of us don't have. You know, he has a license to kill. 
a soldier of Christ, and though he's commanded to fight, he does not have the license to sin and do whatever he pleases. Because he's no longer on his own, he now belongs to God. And though salvation saving from the pits of hell for reasons only known to God, the amazing grace did not immune a Christian from sinning. He still, unfortunately, missed the mark. He still put the bandits in the mirror. You know, we all know Christians still sin. I've been a member of this church for more than uh, 20 years now. And, um, you know, I've seen uh, five members, I think, yeah, five members, I'm sure of four, but I've, I've seen five members who have come forward uh, to this church and asked forgiveness for their sins. And I'm, I've said this before, I've, I've used this illustration before, and I can name you these five members, well, four, four I'm sure of, basically. You know, Becky and Stephanie and Jim uh, have come forward and, and, and asked the church to forgive them. And um, Troy uh, uh, Suits, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Suits or Sweets. Uh, uh, but Troy Suits was also um, a member, once a member here, came forward also and asked uh, uh, the church to, for, to forgive him. And then, of course, um, I think the fifth person that came uh, walked forward was Christy. I know she walked forward, but I don't know about, I don't know if she asked, uh, is, is about for, uh, asking the church to forgive her. But I know of that five people that walked forward. You know, why do they do that? You know, after they're being saved. See, we got the men in the church in here. When they pray, uh, we always end our prayer. Forgive us when we fail you. Forgive us for our sins when we fail you. Why do we pray like that when we pray? You know, because we know we sin. You know, um, I don't know if uh, some of you remember Brother Weigold. I know some of you miss Brother Weigold. Uh, don't know Brother Weigold. Telling you, you, uh, you all miss a good preacher. But there's one preacher that uh, did not make me go to sleep during a sermon. It's Brother Weigold. You know that man can make that man can preach. He can make you listen. You know, um, and he's dead now. So those of you who miss him, you just miss a good a good uh, preacher. But Brother Weigold, one time, um, he was teach, well, preaching in our Bible conference, and when before he started preaching, he passed out a paper. Uh, pad paper and a pen and he gave it to Brother Paul Brother Paul was seated over here I don't know if you all remember some of you may remember this and he told Brother Paul here Brother Paul here's your paper here's your, here's your pen write down all the sins you've done in this paper and then pass it forward to the rest of the congregation you know of course he was joking that, made, that paper never moved the paper never got filled out because he was just joking. Um, what, if he, what, what, what if it wasn't? 
if he wasn't joking and the paper came to you, would you have written something? You know, I don't know if it came to me. I needed more paper. I needed, uh, I needed more paper to write on, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> but he was just joking. But why did he do that? Because why, why, why did a church member come forward? Why did we end up our prayers and forgive us when we fail you? Because we still sin. We still sin. As a child of God, we, we, we still sin. Right? Uh, studying you about that. We Christians do sin. We will mess up. We will feel down. You know, we know that we were wrong. There are times, sometimes, and I've done this before, we won't take part in the Lord's Supper. You know, we want to hide our face from God, and the last thing we want to do is pray. Sounds familiar? Because every Christian feels this way from time to time. That he, uh, that he uh, uh, turned down God. He let down God. Because even a convert, even a saved person, missed the mark. Puts the bandit in the mirror from time to time. Yes, we're capable of anger and murder. God forbid, like Moses was. Did you know that anger is in the Bible? Once you're angry to someone, it says you also committed murder. You murdered that someone also. You know, we're still capable of anger and murder, like Moses was. We're still capable of adultery, like David did. We're still capable of lying, like Peter did. We're still capable of being defiant and rebellious to God, like Jonah was. We're still capable of trading God for money, like Ananias and Sapphira. You know, we're still capable of drinking and getting drunk, like Noah. You know, we're still capable of fornicating. We're still capable of cheating about our time sheets and taxes. You know, it's tax time now. You know, we're still capable of looking at people and dirty thoughts flashing in our minds. We're still capable of coveting at our neighbor's wife or husband or their properties. We're still capable of cussing like a sailor, takes the Lord's name in vain. We're still capable of logging on to the internet and watch and look at. Uh, pornography sites and watch S-rated movies in Netflix. You know, we're still capable of watching uh, uh, television shows and movies that uh, that curses. We can still be heartless and hateful and hard-headed. We can still stab us our fellow Christians and even our pastor in the back. We can still harbor hate and malice. We can still talk about the gospel and fail to walk it, confess our conversion, but fail to profess it. We can still act like the devil. Or in other words, we can still sin. Yes, salvation did not make a Christian sinless. But a, Christ, a Christian who adheres to the teachings of the Lord sins less. The truth is that we know the right thing to do, but the problem is we don't do it. And then we know the things we shouldn't be doing, and the problem is we're doing it. That's what the Apostle Paul says in the Bible, you know. And uh, uh, are we guilty of the same? See, are we guilty of the same? 
for they're given to you, like the Apostle Paul said, uh, given to you and me, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that troubles us. See, Christians don't want to sin. They should hate to, they should hate to sin. You know, we all know that pornography is wrong. We all know that lying is not right. We all know that lusting is evil. We all know that playing the lottery is from the pits of hell. We all know we shouldn't be uh, using profane words. But unfortunately, even knowing all this and more, like Lot, like righteous Lot, dwelling in the earth, and seeing and hearing his vex in his righteous soul from day to day with his unlawful deeds. As much as we do not want to sin, we will sin. You know, we may have to peek at pornography from time to time. All it takes is one click on the mouse. You know, you can do it on YouTube, just like that. You know, we can lie. You know, sometimes we, 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 we have to lie just to get out of trouble. Many of us have been guilty for this, maybe. I know I am. You know, last, we may have to last every day, almost every day. I'm not even going to ask what's our scoreboard on this one. Maybe we could spend a dollar uh, on a lottery ticket and try our luck even just one time. You know, we can cuss, say some profane words when we can control our tongue. You know, see, see, we'll call, we'll call sin an accident when, when God calls it an abomination. We'll call sin a defect. When God calls it a disease. We call sin an error when God calls it an enmity. We'll call sin liberty when God calls it lawlessness. We'll call sin a triple when God calls it a tragedy. We call it a mistake when God calls it madness. We can call sin weakness when God calls it willfulness. We are caught in a fleshly state, a flesh that does not worship God. And we are prone to temptation and can eventually fall into it. You know, the saying goes, and yes, it's raining, it's raining today. When there is rain, there the mud is also there to deal with. You know, we have to deal with the Holy Spirit as a child, as a child of God, but yet we also have to deal with the evil spirits as well. You know, Adam and Eve were created sinless. And yet, in spite of their ideal condition, living in the Garden of Eden, they still manage to sin. And if they can do it, living in that garden, who are we to think living in the devil's backyard are without sin? For, for who even, from birth already, we had the original sin? So what are we supposed to do about this sin thing in our lives? Now, the Lord knows we're not invincible. That's why he has equipped us with an armor to wear and use. Tell us to be sober and vigilant, run from temptation, and not to entertain evil, even the appearance of evil. It's a war zone out there. We heard Ankara sing, once again I face Satan this morning, and I battle him all the day long. We fight every day. Where do the sin or not to sin. I know I do. Believe it or not, I even find Satan in my dreams and loss. 
Now the worst things I've done in my life, I've done it in my dreams. They're just dreams out there sometimes you don't want to wake up from. You know, if you know what I'm, you know, if, you, if, if, if you've been there, then you know what I'm talking about. So how do we deal as a child of God with this disease of sin we have? You know, we've heard the saying, practice makes perfect. Do you believe that? Now, if you do, you surely never played golf. If you're saying this to your kids, hush it. It's one of the biggest lies there is. You know, practice doesn't make perfect. Uh, look at Carmen. Years ago, uh, well, well, when uh, she started playing the piano, filling in for Sister Deborah. At first, she was making a lot of mistakes because she wasn't used to playing the piano a lot. Out of tune, out of key, all this and all that. And then, eventually, she became our uh, pianist, uh, yeah, our main piano player. And now, she hardly makes mistakes. You know, she hardly makes mistakes. And, you know, there are times she's still out of tune. We know that. There are times she's still out of key. But most of the time now, because of his, her constant practice, she practices at the social hall, she practices here, uh, because of the constant practice, she gets better, makes less and less mistakes. But she still makes mistakes. Why? Because practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. You know, it makes permanent. <coughs> it makes you good. You know, look at all these uh, football players that are number one, basically. Uh, look at Matthew Stafford, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm. I mean, they're in high school, they're the number one pick for college quarterbacks. Look at Matthew Stafford. She was still in high school. People were predicting he's going to be the number one draft pick for the NFL, and he was. You know? Why are they number one? Because they practice and practice and practice a lot. That they are such a good quarterbacks. Were they perfect? No. They still threw interceptions. They still threw incomplete passes. They still missed the wide receivers. They still did not score game winning <laughs> touchdowns. They still lost games. See, practice don't make perfect. It becomes permanent. You're only good and better in what you practice. Even a genius who don't have all the answers, as intelligent as they can be, studying, or should I say practicing all night, they still, have, they still don't know everything. They're still not perfect. See, practice makes perfect. It makes permanent, not perfect. The more you practice you reading your Bible every night, it becomes permanent every night. The more you practice coming to church early, it becomes permanent every Sundays and Wednesdays. The more you come to Sunday schools and devotion, the more you'll start coming. Sad to say we got members who don't come to Sunday school and devotion, not once. Why? Because they made a practice not to come. And it became permanent. See, the more practice, 
you practice living godly every day, it becomes permanent to do it daily. Do it over and over again, it becomes a habit. It becomes normal. But be careful what you practice because it can go the other way. Murphy's Law states, when the enemy is in range, so are you. When your gun's uh, range can hit the enemy, his gun can, can hit you too. You know, treasure bullets, Murphy's Law states again, treasure bullets work both ways. You all know what treasure bullets are, don't you? You fire a bullet, and the, and the bullet uh, leaves a streak of light. You know, you can see it at night. It's like, a fire, it's like a Roman candle. It's like a firework. It leaves us a trace of light. It tells you where that bullet is going. That's the good part of it. The bad part of it, the enemy knows where it's coming from. It works both ways. See? So now we know, the enemy knows where to shoot you. See? What your, <laughs> pressure bullets works both ways. What you practice works both ways. To sin or not to sin. You practice cheating in your timesheets, it becomes permanent every time you clock in. Practice watching pornography every week, it becomes a weekly routine. You practice your favorite sin day in and day out, soon it becomes your pet. I treasure bullets, practice both, uh, practice, uh, uh, practice both, goes both ways. So be careful what you practice. It is said, a lie, said one time is a lie. Said a hundred times, it becomes truth. You know? In First John it says, no one born of God makes a practice. Uh, let's see, uh, we're in First John. So, First uh, John 3, chapter, chapter 3 and 9. First John 3, 9 and 10. Whosoever born of God does not commit sin, for this seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Uh, in this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of, uh, and the children of the devil. Whatsoever doeth not righteous is not of God, neither he that love, neither he that loveth not his brother. I might have it wrong. I might have the wrong. Uh, 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 scripture, but anyway, the one born of God makes practice of sinning. Does not practice sinning. See, indeed, what you practice becomes your behavior. It will direct your spiritual life. You know, we are creatures of habit. The habit you got is what you practice. See, what you practice is what you do regularly. Systemically, it becomes a basic rhythm of your life. It becomes instinct, it becomes habitual. You go ahead and practice. Just be careful what you practice. You know, the problem today is that we have accepted sin, and it doesn't, uh, to the point, it doesn't sound evil anymore. What, what, what? Uh, once we call abortion, we now call it family planning. Sounds better, isn't it? But it's still sin. What once we call homosexuality, we now call it alternative lifestyle. Sounds good, but it's still sin. What once we call shacking up, we now call it sleeping together. 
Sounds better, still, but it's still sin. Once we call a necessary evil, it becomes to look more and more necessary and less and less evil. So be careful what you practice. Sin impairs the Christian's sight. Soon he'll be spiritually blind. Sin numbs the Christian's hearing. Soon he'll be spiritually deaf. Sin changes the taste of Christian living. And soon the sweet becomes bitter and the bitter becomes sweet. Sin is hardening the touch and soon will be spiritually numb. You know, <coughs> you know, uh, there's a song that Pink uh, sang one time and the lyrics goes like this. Oh, the heart can be deceiving more than a couple of times. Why do we fall in love so easy? Even when it's not right. But where there is desire, there's going to be a flame. And when there's a flame, someone's going to get burned. So we're easy prey for sin. We fall, we fall in love so easy to it, knowing it's not right. It's just human nature carried to us, even when we become a Christian. And where there is a desire to sin, there will be the flame, and we will get burned. But, you know, we got to get up and try. Just like the song says, you got to get up and try and try and try. You got to get up and try. Try to fill your mouth with, with worthwhile stuff. And then shut it when you said enough. You know, try to close your eyes when you're in the lawless court. Try to turn around when you encounter Bathsheba from your worldly rooftops. Try to cl click the delete button when junk appears in your Facebook and Twitter. Or press the escape button uh, when pornography or dating site uh, on, on dating site emails. Try to wait, stay away from the wrong company. Try uh, to leave the worldly environment. Christian is still, Christians will sin. That's just the ugly truth. But the good news is when a Christian sins, just like Brother Paul said last week, he's not condemned. He's justified. Even in his sin-sick state, he has a good prognosis. Like the prodigal son, a Christian will come to himself, return to his father, and ask for mercy and forgiveness. He knows he will not make his salvation an excuse to be an agent 007, license to do whatever he pleases. He will not take advantage of 70 times 7, God's mathematical formula for eternal forgiveness when he falls beneath the cracks. He will not take the Lord's Supper because he has an unconfessed sin to the church. He will not offer his gifts to the altar for he knows he is not at peace with God. When he sins, he will learn from his mistakes and with God's help, he will abstain from it. He knows he will not dwell in filth and make sin his master. He knows he has hope. <laughs> no. An old basketball coach one time Coach Ray Myers, he led, the, uh, he led the DePaul University for more than 200 straight victories in college basketball. 200 straight victories. One day, in the 201st game, they lost. When asked how he felt about it, he said, Oh, I feel great. Now that we've lost, it's time to think of winning. Christians are sometimes like that. 
They served Christ and made victors for more than 200 times. When a righteous Christian falls on the 201st time, or a Christian falls seven times or more, due to sin, he rises again and thinks of winning. You know, unlike the lost sinner, a saved sinner is convicted. He declares he is guilty and he will go to church. He will still get down to his knees to pray and repent, unless, unlike the lost sinner. He will tie cheerfully, unlike the lost sinner. He will still read the Bible and study it. He will tell others about the ways of the Lord. He will learn to keep his mouth shut, unlike the lost sinner. He will learn not to stick his nose where he doesn't belong, to control his temper and keep his cool. He will learn to shut off his filthy thoughts, turn off the TV and log off the computer. He will learn to cut off this cable or satellite TV if needed because it's full of junk. He will still follow the footsteps of Jesus. He will still learn to duck from the fire of the devil. He will acknowledge, unlike the lost sinner, he will acknowledge his weakness and faults, sins, ask pardon for them. Learn from uh, precious lessons from it and move on. Doing what he's supposed to do. Sanctify himself while doing God's work. You know, a Christian will fight and try to win. And if he loses, he just gets up and fight again. He will be humbled. He will rise up, double his guard, and try to do better. You know, yes, even a pastor of the church can sin. No, for in the Bible, uh, in, Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews, it says there, for every high priest chosen from among men is, is where are all sinners appointed to act on behalf of them in relation to God and offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself, the priest, is beset with weakness. You know, Pastor Jerry Falwell, I don't know if you all know him, uh, was once asked by Larry King and CNN, I said, Pastor, are you a sinner? And he said, yes, I'm still a sinner, saved by grace. That's something a lost person cannot say. See? That's something a lost person cannot say. So, is there a cure for sinlessness? For being sinless? Never to sin again from the day you're saved. You may have 20 more years of your life coming. From the day you were saved, you will never, never, you will never sin again 20 years from now. Is there a cure for that? Is there an antidote, a scripture, something, counseling that we can have in order to be sinless? You know, if you have one, well, share it. You know, maybe my research has not been enough. But right now, in the absence of a cure, I don't know of any, but not right now, in the absence of a cure, our struggle of sin, with sin, is similar, to that, uh, is similar to that of an alcoholic who struggles with drinking. You know, there's no cure for alcoholism. There's no end in sight. It's never over. How does an alcoholic stay, over, stay sober? 
Well, he gets up every day and decides not to drink. Day in, day out. He makes a decision. You know, same thing with the chain smoker. Same thing with the uh, uh, crystal meth addict. You know, he makes a decision today I'm not going to drink. Today I'm not going to pop the pill. You know, today I'm not going to smoke and get the cigar. Every day, day in, day out, he had to make the decision. Sin is like alcoholism. There's no cure. Not in this world. How does a sinner become sober? Well, he gets up every morning and decides not to sin. Day in, day out. He has to make the decision. Today, he wakes up and says, I'm not going to cheat on my timesheet. I know I'm running late for work, but I'm not going to cheat on my timesheet. Today, I'm not going to buy the lottery ticket, even if it's the Powerball. You know, today, he's going to make the decision. Wake up, make the decision. I'm not going to YouTube today or Netflix and watch that field. You know, today, he wakes up and makes a decision. I'm not filling my mind with lustful thinking today. Etc. 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 No, I know a Christian can sin, folks, to the point that he becomes backslidden. Oh, there's, there will be a part, there will be in the life of a Christian due to his backslidden state, where he just blew it. His sinful state. Once his true color will shine through. Oh, the things sin can do for you. You know, the Apostle Paul said, "It's time to wake up." The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness, he says, and put on the whole and put on the armor of light. He said that in the Romans. You know. Remember God's call for mercy and accept his invitation. He says this in the Bible Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, shall be white as snow. Though they should be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Praise God for his everlasting mercy. Like the prodigal son, we can come to our senses. We can come to ourselves. We can get out from the hog pen. We can get out from our Sodom. We can walk to church and walk to God. And the Lord will love us. Welcome us back. Whoever, whosoever comes to me, he says, I will no wise cast out. We sing this song, Christ received a sinful man. So the Christian sin. Sad to say, but the answer is yes. There are still days when we will still place the band-aids in the mirror because of our sin-drunken state. There are days we will aim to serve God and still miss the target. The book of Romans said, we all fall short to the glory of God. We will still sin. Now, I did not make you a Christian, Agent 007, and gave you the license to go out there and sin. Uh, no, that's not my, what, what, what the message is all about. You know. And I'll give you a license to sin. So, I know sometimes when we, when we have license, we think we, we think we know everything, we can do everything. I mean, as these children, children here in church, they got driver's license, they got hunting license, fishing license, all that, they think they know everything. 
You know, they think they're hard to teach, folks. I mean, we've been there and done that. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> give them driver's license. They think they know everything about driving. You know. And I, I guess I can use Michael for this, you know, uh, as, as an example, but it's like that, folks. I mean, sometimes I ride with Michael and I said, don't speed too much, Michael. I said, Dad, it's okay. I can go 10 miles above the speed limit. You told me that, didn't you? He said, yeah, I did. But that's in the interstate, not to see the limits. You know? Oh, it's okay, Dad. Don't you think we need to buckle up? Oh, Dad, it's okay. You know? Don't text and drive, Michael. Dad, hush. I do it all the time. You see, that's what happens when you do it all the time. You practice it all the time. You become good at it. Knowing is not right. See? And those of you with driving tags and good at it, oh, may, may God protect you. You know? And I, I, sometimes I, I'm hypocritical sometimes text telling him not to text and drive because I do text and drive. You know, but I don't text like some of you kids text. I mean, it's kind of hard to text on my flip phone. You know, uh, and when I do text, I, 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 I don't, I don't write a paragraph. It's just, it's just little bitty messages. Nursing home texts me, and I'm driving, and I make sure no one's behind me, no one's in front of me, no uh, uh, opposing traffic. And there are times I had to pull over and text. But I'm driving sometimes. Nursing home texts me, "Can you work this weekend?" And all I, all I, I respond is why for yes and for no. That's it. You know. Or sometimes I decay. You know, uh, yeah, I'm learning some of these kids Morse code. You know. Why for a yes and for no. Or I decay. I don't know what that means at all. I mean, but. Uh, but th- that's how I text, you know. But uh, I, keep, I keep telling Michael that sometimes when we drive, folks. Oh, Dad, I, don't worry. I know the sheriff, you know. Or Griffin knows the sheriff. And I said, well, Michael, Griffin can get away with it, but you can't, you know. But sometimes we Christians are like that, folks. We're safe and... We're Christians anyway. Oh, I know the Lord. And we, we think we have the license to sin. Because we know the Lord. You know. So, do, do Christians willfully sin? Or continue to sin? And the answer is no. We should be, we should not have that will to sin. Second Corinthians states that we have the hope through God to make us more and more like him, conforming his image. You know? See? <clears throat> I did not give you the license to sin today. This is not what this message is all about. This is about, my message is all about being enticed, submitting to sin. You know? For we can still submit to sin because we can still act stupid and look like a fool. 
that still happens to us Christians. Two weeks ago, I was at the Montgomery County Elementary School, and we were having a lunch break. <coughs> and uh, some reason, uh, one of my male, male teachers, somebody called him in the cell phone, and for some reason, he put it in a speakerphone. So now everybody can hear it. It was this telemarketer calling us at lunchtime. And I didn't know what they were talking about until that male teacher said to him, so you're selling me this pill that fixes erectile dysfunction, he said. He said, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And the teacher said, well, now, if you don't know what erectile dysfunction is, I, uh, I can help you with that. Okay. All right, but anyway, uh, say, yes, sir, yes, sir, uh, I'm, uh, I'm selling you this pill. The teacher said, well, right now, uh, women is not in my life right now. Uh, I'm serving the Lord right now. I don't have that problem right now, so I'm not interested with this uh, offer of yours, you know. Uh, right now, I'm up on Jesus, and I'm down on sex. You know, and everybody in the room is just laughing and laughing. And I thought to myself, well, how can you say in my message? You know, every day you and I have to wake up in the morning and make the decision to be up in Jesus and down on sex, I mean, down on sin or up in sin and down on Jesus. Every day you and I have to wake up and make a decision to give in to sin and give up on Jesus. Or give up on sin and give in to Jesus. Now, once again I face it in this morning and I battle him all the day long. We get up in the morning to win a battle for the Lord, day in, day out. To keep on winning the battle, day in, day out. Practice it. Practice it. Practice winning the battle today, tomorrow, the day after, the day after, the day after. And the more you practice winning the battle, soon you're going to win the war. Every morning, we have to get up and make the decision to be sober, to be vigilant, to watch for the fire darts, the devil, to put on the whole armor of God and know how to use it. I mean, there's no, it's useless putting the armor of God and don't know how to use it. You know, a Christian is not condemned. Like what Paul said last week. He's not condemned. A Christian sinner, a Christian sinner is not condemned. He's not hoping to go to heaven. He got hope. He's not forgiven. He is not forgiven of his future sins. He's not perfect, but he's forgiven. You know that that uh, sticker, car sticker. A Christian is not forgiven. A Christian is not perfect, just forgiven. Yeah, a Christian is forgiven of his future sins. All your sins are future. You know, all the sins that God has forgiven you. It's not past, present, and future. It's all, all of them were in the future. You know. A Christian sinner is, has his name. Unlike the lost sinner, 
case his name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. A Christian sinner is the one who has turned in a new leaf. But there's one thing a Christian is not. He's not sinless. He's not sinless. One day, he's going to come home in his sin-drunken state and will still place the band-aids in the mirror. One day, he's going to go to work. He's going to go to work tomorrow and fall into the cracks. And I could fall in the cracks tomorrow. One day, we'll wake up and we'll let our guard down. We'll fail to run. We'll fail to obey and make the wrong choice. One day, we'll wake up. We're going to put the armor of God but we'll fail to use it. One day, we're going to wake up, aim to serve God, aim for the target to serve God, but then we will miss the mark. You know, those days can still happen. Like Ankara sings, once again, I face Satan this morning, and I pile him all the day long. You know, we should be singing that every day. That's my life. I battle Satan all the day long. I battle Satan in my dreams. That's my life. Is this yours? If it is, well, it's because of this. A Christian is not sinless. He or she just sins less. I did not give you a license to sin, folks, but I wish I, I wish I had a better statement to give you than that. But that's what I got, and that's what you're going to get. Thank God for my strength to deliver this message today, but that's my message. Thank